Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Dr. Simon here. Um, this is my show, The Stories We Live By. And uh, I'm going to hope that somebody or some people will call in and uh, have discussion. But I'm going to keep the first 15 minutes with the lines closed if anybody does call. So I would say don't call till 7.15 or so. Because I had a thought. Um, I want to play with the idea of stories today. We live by stories. We act them out. They shape us and we shape them. Um, it has become uh, an increasingly important theme um, of my, of my uh, thinking as a psychologist, as a human being, as a person. And um, I don't have to tell you, who, those of you who have been listening to my show, uh, I am increasingly frightened about what our species is doing to our planet and to each other. Uh, the violence, the uh, literal raping of our environment while denying that um, uh, the environment uh, is being raped, that it's being destroyed, that our home on this planet uh, can, in not too many years, uh, within the lifespan certainly of my grandchildren, uh, be either unlivable or uh, very difficult to live on or in. Um, and one of my uh, uh, functions of this show is to try and uh, use reason uh, to get people to think about what's happening. And today I want to talk about religion, uh, because uh, I've written, recently read two books, and I want to give you the titles. I won't discuss them specifically, at least not tonight. One is by Shusako Endo a Japanese writer who uh, about 40 years ago wrote a book uh, called Silence. And it deals with the missionaries who went to Japan uh, to continue the conversion of uh, the uh, various religions in Japan to Catholicism and how the government and the uh, authorities in Japan, uh, a brutal top-down uh, authoritarian system that dominated the uh, peasantry uh, and uh, left them uh, impoverished lives filled with pain and endless hard work, um, how they finally turned against Christianity uh, and Catholicism and the awful things uh, that they did to people to make them denounce their faith. Uh, if I have time someday, I'll, I'll discuss the book because it really was, for me, a, a really important book. The other is a philosophical polemic by Christopher Hitchens entitled, God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything. And I, I love the book, but although I was annoyed with him because there's so much uh, acidity and so much cynicism uh, and an edge of, of nastiness, and how he makes his argument that he really, uh, uh, I think, defeats the purpose of getting people to think about uh, the nature of religion and how, in fact, when it's authoritarian, when it's close-minded, when it takes its stories literally, uh, when the people within the religion uh, have doubt raised, 
uh, how they respond with fear and rage and often with great violence. And we're seeing that all over the world. What is happening in our country uh, terrifies me. On the right, uh, the Republicans are a secular religion. It has all the earmarks of religion. There is a creed. There is an ideological stand. Uh, it can't be argued with. Uh, anybody who tries to, within the party, stand up uh, and uh, discuss or debate the merits of the, uh, of the, of the uh, position, the political and ideological positions is drummed out. Uh, or uh, somebody is sent to uh, to uh, replace them, uh, you know, in a primary. They're primary, is the expression. Uh, on the left, more and more students uh, act uh, like a, uh, a hurt religion, uh, not being guided by God, but again by an ideology, so that anybody who disagrees with them is shouted down. Uh, there was an incident, uh, Charles Murray, whose ideas I think uh, are fallacious, but reasoned, uh, tried, was invited to speak, uh, and the ensuing chaos, he uh, could not speak, and a professor was even injured in the melee that followed. So uh, I would like to talk about tonight, if nobody calls in, but I'm going to do this for a while Imagining a world without religion. To do this, I don't think this is ever going to happen. This is a fantasy of mine. What I want to do is talk about the elements I believe would exist in a story of individuals, the general elements in a stories, if the human race went post-religious. Right? I don't think this is going to happen. Uh, certainly, I don't believe this should be forced, foisted on people. I think that these ideas are out there. I put these ideas out here, and uh, for whatever they're worth, uh, this has to be an evolution, a social and intellectual evolution. I am an alternately opposed to uh, revolutions, unless you know people are in the most dire circumstances. Because if we study the revolutions of the 20th century, uh, the Tsar was overthrown by communism, and we, they ended up with uh, Stalin in China, Mao Zedong to, uh, destroyed the Mandarins. Um, the, 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 these anti-religions, which were in fact secular religions, uh, were more destructive than the particular religions that held people in thrall uh, and in obedience to their authorities. So I want to go through what I think the elements uh, uh, would be in the story. Now, not the individual personal story, but these would be the general elements to be found in a post-religious world. Right? Not going to happen, not in my lifetime anyway, but I throw this out for what it's worth. Number one, we would know and accept death and the fact of our non-existence. Uh, we're not allowed to talk in conversation about death. Um, it, it's really a remarkable kind of a thing. We walk around pretending it's not going to happen while internally we're terrified that it will happen. And so many of our religions uh, are based 
come in part from a fear of death, that there's a way out, that there's heaven and afterlife. And the power of the powerful very often comes from uh, being able to admit into the afterlife those who are loyal and follow their dictates. So that the top-down authority, which often leads to violence and chaos, particularly because I do believe that most people who are really religious uh, aren't violent. Most people who claim to be religious, and this is the majority who make up almost every religion on earth, are very insecure about it. They're frightened that there's something about this that is not right. And because the, the idea of paradise, of afterlife, of spending one's life uh, uh, groveling before the authorities who proclaim that they know and have the ticket to the afterlife, uh, easily become uh, violent and can be, uh, 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 commit themselves to all manner of acts of war and, and uh, damage to others and themselves because they are terrified to accept the idea that they will not exist. In the stories uh, of the future, there will be no supernatural beings. There will be no gods and there will be no God. Uh, there will be no ultimate authority. Uh, and anybody who, like our present president, says he knows more than everybody would immediately be shunned. The idea that one person knows enough to direct the lives of 350 million Americans or 10 billion human beings on this planet uh, is to turn the individual into a pseudo-god so there will be no God, humans pretending to be gods, and the stories will be interesting stories about God. In the same way that today most people uh, enjoy the stories of the Greek gods, uh, of Mount Olympus with Zeus, uh, and all of the battle between the gods, uh, and the uh, pre-operational thinking uh, among uh, people who are less educated, who have less developed and the abstract thinking, which I'll get to in a little bit, that if there's a storm, uh, there uh, is an angry god, Neptune, uh, under the earth. Uh, the idea that the gods have to be placated uh, and, and there has to be uh, a blood uh, offering made, uh, that the gods require obedience, uh, these will pass. There will be no such gods uh, in our stories, except to the degree that they could teach us something. I've always enjoyed many of the Bible stories, particularly the idea of, of uh, creation in, in the Judeo-Christian uh, model, where God created earth and heaven and, and then put human beings on it uh, and made human beings into uh, God's image, uh, which to me means that if we're in the image of a creative God, then our essential being should be to create, not destroy. And certainly, I'll get to later, not be obedient. Uh, that, we, that so many religions demand total obedience uh, to the dictates of the religion when in fact the God uh, who created all of this 
was a creative force. And if we have that in us, then our uh, moral and intellectual satisfaction would be in being creative, not necessarily obedient, and certainly not angry and destructive. In the few stories of the future, all human beings would be seen as worthy. We would stop dehumanizing and demonizing our fellow human beings, whether it's done secularly or whether it's done in the that my God loves me more than your God loves you. My God is more powerful. Uh, This would not exist. This would not happen. People would see people as people. They would see themselves as worthy of life. And the, the, the politics that would have to exist would have to be some form of democracy. Um, but we would expunge from our language all of the dehumanizing words. Now, one of the things about religions, and I became aware of this when I realized that clinical psychiatry and psychology were in fact secular religions, uh, is that in all religions, we confuse the judgments we make about people with explanations for their behavior. Uh, in a religion uh, that says sex uh, has to be controlled, uh, then a person who commits a sexual act uh, seen by the religion as a sin is a sinner, he is a sinner because he committed the sexual act. Why did he commit the sexual act? Because he's a sinner. It's the circular reasoning that traps the individual without any ability to understand their own motivation or to question the nature of the authority which defines the morality in a particular way. Psychiatry, as I've done many shows on this and written extensively on this, does this all the time. We look for the diagnosis, which is not a diagnosis, but a bad name we call somebody, which then pretends to explain the behavior that led them to be called the bad name. And I'm not going to anybody who is really interested in this uh, can go on uh, into my archive, and I have a number of, of, uh, of uh, interesting broadcasts where I deal about this. Children, uh, we would not discipline children any longer with physical force. The way I understand children becoming the way parents best would, would want them to become is by the parents living out the morality that they want their children to follow. Children observe parents very closely because whether they can verbalize it or not, they know that their very existences depend, their continued existence depends upon the goodwill and the support of their parents. The dominant mode, I believe, of raising children, and I see this at every walk of life, but more in religion, much of the religious life as well, is do as I say, but not as I do. In the future, somehow we will develop the insight that we don't have to beat our children into obedience or submission, but we can, uh, in fact, get them to behave in ways that we want them to, 
by being supportive, firm, loving, but acting in the exact way we want them to act. So, there would be an acceptance that science in its many manifestations would be the best way to understand how things work. If we want to know how cancer comes around and what to do about it, science will be the best answer. And so much of science, as I have spoken in past shows, uh, is, is, is polluted with pseudo-religion and the ideas of pseudoscience. And I won't go into that now because I don't have to and I don't have the time. But the fact is, every human being is a scientist. And every human being has the capacity to look and experiment. Not believe, as they've been told, whether or not uh, something is true and told that you're a bad person, a sinner, you deserve to die if you deviate from the truth. We would all be, all be scientists in one way or another. Now, this is not to say that I believe that science has an answer to how we should live for establishing morality. Nor do I believe that science provides the only unique way of looking at human beings and of changing human behavior. I have, I have long believed that the, uh, that the um, arts, literature, music, provides us with all manner of wonderful ways of looking at ourselves, our problems, and, and pointing in ways to solve them. Part of all children's education would be science, but it would be the arts. Education would allow any inclination they seek to follow. I believe there should be a common core in education, but I believe that every child has interests in something, and those interests should be fostered. Uh, I have long believed that we should de-school our society from the regimentation and the top-down uh, methods. Of course, this would be expensive. Uh, 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 we give lip service to real education, but we don't really support education. This is a, a uh, serious, serious problem. I have some friends trying to call me, and why they won't hang up and stop doing this. Uh, anyway, uh, <clears throat> teachers, uh, like parents, would be role models. We'd get rid of the grades. Uh, there are all manner of interacting with children to get them to see what they've done well and what they've done not well and getting them to correct. Uh, this would be education socially in groups, but uh, a lot of individual tutoring, a lot of uh, setting of lessons that start where the child is. So, money and wealth would be means to ends, not ends in of themselves. The idea that a billionaire is better than all of us and equips him to be a leader uh, we would have gotten through that. Uh, the composer of a symphony who never made a dime on it, 
would be an individual uh, uh, as worthy as anybody else. And again, uh, I can't foresee our world continuing unless we support and move towards democracy, that our leaders are elected, that they are beholden to everybody, that they are not above the law, that they're not perceived as better than us, that uh, uh, they are not allowed to demonize and dehumanize the followers, that those of us who are not the leaders, nor would it be in our story to aggrandize, to see them as somehow more worthy and better, of, better than us. The respect we would give them, uh, they would be they deserve, uh, but the respect we all deserve would be gotten from them. Acceptance of the fact that we are all part of the human race. We need to survive. We need to be part of a family, a community, a culture. We need to be part of the whole, and therefore, we need to understand our relationship to the whole and find a way to accept and give up ourselves at times for the good of the group that supports us. I am a big fan of law and order, except when it's top-down and provided for us by politicians who follow no such laws uh, and create only disorder. But at the same time, there must be an acceptance that we are all individuals, unique and like only ourselves, and that there has to be a balance that is optimal that we're supported as individuals. This means there will always have to be conflict within and between us as human beings. When uh, do we take, allow our children to go in the directions that they enjoy going in? When do we impose discipline, nonviolent discipline upon them to try and bring them into the fold, recognizing What's good for them is good for the group, and often what's good for the group is good for the individual. So I am not suggesting some kind of radical uh, liberalism or some radical conservatism. I have done a number of shows on this and written on this, that we can't have a society and we won't survive without responsible individuals who develop good skills, good thinking and good skills that are uh, and creative abilities that nurture the society as a whole. Nor will we survive except in misery uh, by having a hierarchical system starts with an imaginary God that tells each of us to get on our knees and be obedient and genuflect to leaders uh, whose ideas uh, are not particularly worthy or moral. So that's what I had to say tonight. Uh, I believe I've said what I wanted to say. I believe that uh, I'm not going to get any calls tonight, but I feel this was okay. And uh, anybody who would like to respond, uh, I will go back on the air next Monday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, if you want to call in, by the way, the call in guest number you can get if you come on 
And uh, I'm going to hold for another 60 seconds and then call back my friends who seem uh, uh, unable to accept that I'm on the line and uh, going to stay on the line for as long as it's necessary. Okay. Uh, I don't think anybody's calling. I'm satisfied with what I had to say. Uh, let me hear from you. Do you think there's a possibility that we can nonviolently uh, create a world? Uh, Gandhi was one who I think led the way. Martin Luther King led the way. There are people at all walks, the li- walks of life who try to live a story. Uh, I try. I don't succeed, but 40, 50% at a time. I still have some lousy habits of calling people names to explain uh, why they do what they do. Um, I don't think I'm kind enough in many cases, uh, but I'll keep trying. I'm going to say good night and uh, take care.